You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, good morning. We're glad that you're joining with us online. If you're a North Richland Hills Church family or Cross Church, we're grateful that you're with us today. You may be a guest. Thank you for worshiping with us. We are more than grateful to have you. We would love to be meeting in person, wouldn't we? (laughs) I'm hearing so many comments from people. I'm ready to get out of the house. I am bored, bored, bored. Well, I look forward to the day when we can shake hands, we can hug, we can gather back together. But until that day, we are gathering together here online, and we are so grateful to have you. Some of you are joining us by Facebook Live, which is a new feature for us this morning. Others of you may join in by a Facebook watch party, and we invite you to do that in the coming weeks. That's just making it more accessible and easy. Of course, there's no substitute for meeting together and gathering in person. And while a virus can keep us from the building, a virus cannot stop us from being a church. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 13. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 13, if you will. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. I invite you to turn there with me. We're two weeks away from Easter, and today I want to speak to you on this subject, hope in the face of fear. Hope in the face of fear. In fact, if you're gathering with us today, I want to invite you to look at those phone numbers provided. You can call a pastor at either of those numbers. In addition to that, you can just chat with us online. One of our pastors are available. We'd love to talk with you throughout the message. We launched a series several weeks ago in preparation of Easter, What Makes Jesus Say Amen? Today, beginning in verse 21, we're going to find two statements when Jesus says amen. While they're camouflaged in the English, listen for the word truly. You ready? Beginning in verse 21 of John 13. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in the spirit and testified, Amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What are you going to do? What you're going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Verse 29, some thought that because Jesus had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately, Judas immediately went out. Note what John says, it was night. Move your eyes down to verse 36 with me, where Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, 
Will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. May God bless the reading of his word. Fear grips even those who are seemingly secure. Catherine II of Russia had a fear of thinning hair. Truly, she had employed wig masters to weave for her a beautiful wig. And she was so conscious, so fearful of her thinning hair that she chose to lock those who made her wigs in the palace for three years thereafter. It's not just Catherine the, the second, Kublai Khan, the man who perhaps conquered as much land as anyone in history, had a fear of old age of all things. His fear was so great of the elderly and turning elderly that he killed the finest of his horses at age six. And at age 60, those who were his ministers, those who were around him, he would exile. It's not safe to be Kublai Khan's old horse or one of his older friends. But the truth is, in a time of pandemic, there's a fear inside of all of us. And that fear often wonders who will take care of us, who will help us in our time of need. In our recent series, when Jesus says amen, we're looking at those truthful statements. The statements when Jesus uses the word amen in a different way than you and I. Today when we hear the amen, we'll hear it in church or elsewhere, and it's like we're saying, I like that. But Jesus would not say it in response to someone else. He would preface the statement. He would say it in front of something important. In fact, he did it twice a moment ago. He said it once about Judas and once to Peter. Now remember, the scene is the Last Supper. Only hours away from the arrest and his crucifixion, Jesus steadies our fears by saying to us the Amen. Today, in the moments to come, I want you to see and I want you to compare Judas and Peter. I want you to compare these two men, if you will, both of which were disciples of Jesus, both of which were exposed to Jesus' ministry, and both of whom were there at the last moments of Jesus' life. Look with me first at Judas. The one who betrays me betrays him. Jesus says at the end of verse 21, Amen, amen, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Jesus says to Judas, the one who betrays me betrays the Father. And while Jesus here in verse 21 doesn't mention Judas by name, it becomes clear who he's speaking about. I don't know about you, but whenever the name Judas Iscariot is said, there's a chill that runs up my back. Even today, if you look up the word treachery or betrayal in the thesaurus, Judas's name is mentioned, although it's 2,000 years later. Now, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, He's always in the Gospels mentioned as the last of the twelve. Whenever they list the names of the twelve, Judas' name is always mentioned last. Now, what do we know about him? We know this, in a time like the Last Supper, like I read a moment ago, of great panic and great fear among the disciples, surely panic and fear gripped them over the death, but before that, the rest, and certainly the betrayal of Judas. Certainly the other disciples would have to say, 
How in the world could he have done that? Let me give you three facts as we face a pandemic today, three facts about Judas that are pertinent. First, you need to be aware that Judas was greedy. Judas was greedy. The Bible says that he calls him a traitor. He betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Greed is a passion of demonic strength. You need to be aware that throughout the disciples' time with Jesus, as Jesus walked and talked on the earth and he performed miracles, Judas was in charge of the common money bag. It was the common purse that would pay the expenses of the disciples and bless the poor. And it was regularly Judas stole. He would steal money. Greed is a passion of demonic strength. And Judas's greed was a weapon in the hands of Satan. In fact, you may find in John chapter 13 and verse 10, this was stated earlier the same evening. We picked up in verse 21 a moment ago. Jesus says to all the twelve, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, speaking of the twelve, but not every one of you. You remember this when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Jesus speaks of a dirt that's not physical dirt. He speaks of a spiritual dirt, that is sin. And when Jesus warns about one not being clean, he's speaking of Judas here. You see, Judas is covered. He covered his greed with a phony external relationship with Jesus. The first fact you need to be aware of is that Judas was greedy. Secondly, you need to be aware that Satan used Jesus. Excuse me, Judas. Satan used Judas. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 3, the Bible says, Satan entered into Judas, the son of Iscariot, who was among the twelve. Judas went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So Judas consented and sought an opportunity to betray him in the absence of the crowd. Satan uses Judas and uses his greed. And Satan doesn't take innocent people into captivity. When Judas's greed presented, it was a powerful weapon in the hands of Satan himself. Now here's something I need you to be aware of. Judas died spiritually dirty, but you don't have to. Think of it with me. Judas witnessed all the miracles of Jesus. Judas walked the face of the earth alongside Jesus, heard his great teaching, saw his compassion, experienced the tremendous heart of our Lord, and yet he traded all that for 30 pieces of silver. Minutes after the Last Supper, Judas planted a kiss on the cheek of Jesus. Satan used Judas. Here's the third and last fact I want you to be aware of Judas. And I've been thinking about him a lot recently. While Satan may attack, God still advances. While Satan may attack, God still advances. In John chapter 6, verse 70, Jesus said to the disciples, Did I not choose you? Speaks to the twelve. Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Did you know that Judas's betrayal was predicted inside Scripture hundreds of years before it ever happens? In fact, are you aware that every element of Jesus' arrest, his betrayal, 
his false trial and eventual murder was planned by God. Even Judas's betrayal was planned by God. I need you to be aware that then as of now, that God's not walking the floors of heaven biting his fingernails. He's not pacing the economic floors of Wall Street wondering what to do next. And neither was he walking the streets of Jerusalem as the Son of God, worried about Judas's betrayal. Satan may attack, but God still advances his plan. You need to be aware today, here at the end of March, that God's great love through the cross of his Son will not be stopped. Nothing will stop his great love. Now consider this when you think about Judas. Think about this question. Why not, why not just omit his story? Why not just purge the four Gospels in the Bible of all the references to Judas? Here's why. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as well as the book of Acts, they all include the betrayal of Judas. And here's why. Because not even the betrayal of one of the twelve can stop the mighty and great love of God through the cross. Did you know that? Not even the innocent Son of God being betrayed by one of his chosen twelve, not Satan, not Judas, can undermine the all-encompassing invincibility of God's powerful purposes. Not even one of God's enemies can stop God's will from taking place. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Jesus knew from the beginning those who were not, who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. Can you imagine for a moment if Jesus had prayed something like this to the Father? Father, I've guarded my own, and I've only lost one. I can't account for it. It's a glitch in the system. Judas' betrayal, his his treachery, there's no explaining it, it's just a glitch. I didn't see it coming, but I need you to know that Jesus never prayed that way. In fact, in John 17, we have a recorded prayer from Jesus to the Father, and here's what he prays. Father, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Why? Does the Bible include the treacherous story of Judas because not even one of his 12 can stop the great love of God through the cross? Let me, let me consider with you one more question when you consider Judas. Here at the Last Supper, have you ever wondered why Jesus is so discreet? I mean, think about it. The account we read a moment ago, very, very, well, only Jesus knew what was up. Although the disciples are turning around saying, who's going to betray you? Why is Jesus so discreet? Why is Jesus not telling everyone else? And here's why. Because Jesus wanted to give Judas every last chance. Jesus is not here to shatter Judas. He's here to do everything possible to shelter Judas. Jesus isn't trying to condemn Judas. He's trying to convert Judas. You need to be aware today that your sin, the sin running around your heart, your greed, your lust, your passions are just as sinful as Judas's. And the only thing that can stop the great love of God through the cross of Jesus is your sin. You can be changed powerfully through the love of God in the cross.
if you'll change, if you'll repent. That's the Bible's word, turn. It's a 180-degree turn if you will repent. God's love through his son's death will change this world. My question is, will it change you? We looked at Judas. Look with me secondly at Peter. What I'm calling the best of us can reject the best of him. The best of us can reject the best of him. Now, think about this with me for a second. Of all the apostles, of all the disciples, of everyone there, who had the worst track record of the 12 outside of Judas? If you keep Judas aside, who had the worst track record of the 12? And I'll tell you who it is. It's Peter, the guy Jesus puts in charge after he departs. Can you imagine that? Now, parents, if Peter is your son, you know what you want for Peter? You want a leash. That's what you want for Peter. Oh, only they don't make a leash for the mouth, do they? I guess maybe a, a, a muzzle. But capture this now. Satan, Satan works on Peter just as he does Judas. Satan works on Peter just like he does Judas. Only when we encounter Peter, we see a genuine disciple and not a counterfeit. Go back to the second amen statement in verse 38. Look what it says here. In response to Peter, Jesus says, will you lay down your life for me? Amen, truly, amen, truly. I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. You know, when you hear Jesus say amen, and it's a hundred times in the Gospels, distributed over the four, you need to come to a full stop. You need to bathe all of it in, digest all of it. Because Jesus is giving you the unvarnished truth from heaven. In fact, when we think about Peter, what can you say about a guy like Peter? What can you say about him? One who continues to put his foot in his mouth. He will go from hot to cold. In fact, earlier in our story of the Last Supper, Jesus comes in wanting to wash everyone's feet. Remember this? Peter says, no, 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 I don't need that. I'm good. Jesus says in reply, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And all of a sudden, Peter wants to take a bath. He is a hot to cold person. He's a black to white all of a sudden. Now, what you need to be aware of, again, Satan is working on both Peter and Judas of the night of the crucifixion of Jesus. In fact, Luke chapter 22, hopefully you'll see it on your screen. Simon, Simon, that's the first name of Peter. Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Now, you may find it shocking to know that Satan can request of God anything. You may find it all the more shocking to know that God granted Satan's request. See, God and Satan, watch this carefully, God and Satan can work on the same project for different purposes. Did you know that? God and Satan can work on the same project for altogether different purposes. Satan attacks both Judas and Peter, and Satan is hoping he would love to destroy one of God's chosen. Simon, Simon, Jesus says, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. You see, friend, if Satan were to succeed, if Satan were to succeed from even taking, just defeating one of the genuine real believers, well, he would have robbed Jesus of one that he purchased by his blood. That cannot, and I tell you, friend, it will not happen. If Satan could destroy even one real genuine child of God, 
then he would have effectively defeated God's grace and wounded the very heart of God. God grants Satan permission to sift Peter, to pan Peter, to shake Peter, if you will. And Satan is sent into the kitchen to act as God's dishwasher. Satan is used as a specially scouring agent to produce some of God's finest china. Again, compare with me on this night, the night of betrayal, the night of the Last Supper, Satan is attacking two men. He's attacking both Judas and Peter. One is a counterfeit, one is a genuine disciple. And contrast the reactions of the two now. Contrast the reactions of the two. Do you remember the, the third occasion when Peter denies Jesus? But hours after our account that we read, do you remember what happens? The Gospel of Luke says these words, and the Lord turned, and he looked at Peter. I imagine that they locked eyes. Peter melted at that moment. And the only reason Peter's pride melted was due to the blowtorch of God's great love. In fact, think of this. Both Judas and Peter, two men spent equal time with Jesus. These two men walked with him, witnessed the same things, but they went to entirely different eternal directions. Six weeks after the resurrection of Jesus, Judas's body is rotting in a field while Peter is leading the movement that will eventually change the world, the early church. Why? It wasn't because Peter was smarter. It wasn't because Peter was more resilient. It was because Peter repented. He changed. The blowtorch of the love of God melted the heart of Peter. So let me ask you here at the conclusion of this. Are you Peter? Or are you Judas? When you see the face of God, when you feel the touch of God in your life, do you calcify your resolve and double down on your sin like Judas? Or you'll hang yourself in regret? Or will your heart soften in repentance? These are fearful times we live in. And what is our hope? Our hope is in responding and changing and turning. You know, God loves the greatest of sinners. Do you know that? The Bible says that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Today, you can respond to the great love of Jesus Christ. Despite what you've done, God's love, his mercy, his compassion is for you. Do you want proof of that? Go back to our story in John chapter 13. Just before I began reading, Jesus is washing the feet of the twelve. Do you know whose feet he washed that evening? Only minutes before his betrayal, he washes the feet of Judas. Jesus lifts up the heel that will betray him, and he washes away the dirt of disloyalty. This is the great mercy of God extending to you. Today, as if through a telecast, Facebook Live, live stream, or perhaps you're watching this in archive later, God is extending his arms to you, asking you, will you turn, will you change, will you come back to the Father?
Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.